Welcome to Stay Grounded with your host, me, Raj Jana. I'm the founder of Java Press Coffee Company, and my life changed after my mentor died with three months left until retirement. That experience inspired me to start a personal journey to discover how we can all live a purpose-driven and meaningful life starting today. I interview everyone from best-selling authors and business moguls to extreme athletes and monks to discuss happiness, success, and fulfillment to uncover powerful takeaways that empower you to stay grounded and make passionate living a reality. To access post-podcast discussions, insights, and further resources, visit rajjana.com forward slash stay grounded. So thanks for joining me today. Now, let's get to grinding. Yo, yo, everybody. Welcome to episode 38 of the Stay Grounded podcast. Hope you are having an incredible day, morning, evening, whenever you choose to tune in. Uh, Super excited. Uh, I'm always excited, but I'm really excited about this week's guest, Miss Darla Ledoux. So Darla uh, has has actually a pretty amazing story. And she shared a lot on this episode that she hasn't shared before, which I thought was really amazing because her and I come from a similar background. We both came from corporate backgrounds and she went through her own cycles of ups and downs and serious downs before she was, was comfortable enough making the jump and making the leap. And so I found a lot of amazing insights from her story. And now she helps people. She has a company called Aligned Entrepreneurs, and she hosts incredible intimate retreats that help others sort of fast track their learning and get themselves out of their own way. And so she helps people host retreats. She, uh, she hosts her own retreats, and now she has her own podcast as well, which is Retreat and Grow Rich. Um, and so, yeah, so, I mean, just in general, uh, Darla has such an amazing story because she comes from a place where I think most of us start, where we do what we're told, we go where we're supposed to go, we do everything we need to do, and life still slaps you in the face. And it, that was, and those experiences really make you go backwards and think about where you are, how you're growing, and, and, and why that happened to you. And, and Darla went through that cycle, and she shares her entire story with so much clarity and beauty. I took so much away from this conversation, and I really can't wait for all of you to take away the same amount. So I can't wait for you guys to get started on this episode, but before you get started, as always, uh, rate, subscribe, review, leave us some love on iTunes or on any of the, the, the podcast tools that we throw out there for you guys to enjoy. Please, I live off this feedback and it helps me create uh, better and better content for you guys. And so uh, let us know what you love and let us know what you hate. And we will both, we will receive both with huge open arms. So Uh, But that's it for me, guys. And so without further ado, here's Darla Ledoux. Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of the Stay Grounded Podcast. Oh, man, you know, this is like my favorite thing to do, introducing our amazing guest, Miss Darla. How are you? I'm amazing. Thanks for asking. I am. God, I'm so pumped to have you here. Uh, Not just because you're an incredible human being, but because we have similar backgrounds. You came from the corporate world, didn't you? I did. Yes. I call myself a recovering engineer, which you probably relate to. Yeah. 
I do. I do. Which is, uh, which is why I found your story so intriguing now. Um, so obviously I already introduced you to the audience and in the intro, but, uh, so I'm going to just dive into some of the bigger, broader questions that I had. Is that okay with you? Fabulous. All right. Fantastic. Well, so one question I wanted to ask, um, really was, the birth of, of coaching for you, because, you know, we just discussed the fact that you were a chemical engineer. Um, and it sounds like you'd been pushed or pulled towards the world of coaching, but you never did. Uh, you never jumped in right away. So how did you get in or how did you finally make the jump into the world of coaching? And what was the, the trigger point that made it all come alive for you? Yeah, I love that question. I call this time period in my life, my 10 years in the self-help aisle. Okay. Um, so I worked at Procter and Gamble, uh, after college and that's where I worked as an engineer and they actually nominated me to become a coach within the company. And so I went through this training. It was extensive 14 day training and the goal, I kind of call it diversity training. It was really to help people have strong working relationships, even if they had social distance. So different age, race, gender, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And I just loved it. In the training, we really had to get honest with ourselves about our own biases and judgments. And I really began to realize that so much of my life and my world came from a set of judgments about who I should be and what it meant to be successful, what it meant to be a good person in the world, and that it wasn't really me or my authentic truth. So that's what sent me on my self-help quest. <laughs> and yeah. I read so many books. I don't know if you ever had this stage. I was constantly reading and taking personality assessments and all of the things. And yeah. I would be telling all my friends about it and getting them to take these things or read these things. And, um, and I got to the point where I was like, are you going to do something with all of this knowledge? Or are you just going to keep talking about it? Like I kind of was annoying myself. Yeah. With how I was dreaming about how the world could be different, how I could be spending my time on things that mattered to me. And yet I wasn't, you know, I was just kind of doing it in my free time. And I did leave Proctor and I taught high school for a few years, um, which was a total transition. And then I found myself back in corporate. I couldn't imagine what I learned teaching high school other than how to really be authentic with a group of ninth graders. Um, yeah. I also realized I could not handle going to the same place at the same time every day for a career. So that was really valuable. I went back into corporate, but I all in every transition, I was just daydreaming about how could I do this work that I discovered that I thought everybody needed. Like if everybody could see their own biases and judgments, especially about themselves, the world would be a whole different place. And how could I actually get paid to do that work? Yeah. So every time I shifted, I would kind of daydream and write in my journal, like a plan. I would outline workshops and retreats and how, how I could actually make a living doing this. And then I would get scared. I would share my dream with someone and they would wrinkle their nose and they would say, how are you going to make money at that? Mm -hmm. And I would stop. And uh, that kept happening until I, I transitioned back into corporate and I was working in marketing. 
and I got divorced and my stepdad died. He was diagnosed with cancer and he died three months later. And that all happened in the same three month period. So (laughs) I, I call this the hallway. Um, I actually, I went to therapy at, after all this happened and the therapist said, when one door closes, another door opens, but the hallways sure are a bitch. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, yeah, kind of giggled and I was like, you know, that's really true. That is really true. And for the first time in my life, I gave myself permission to really let it just be a bitch, you know, Mm. to really go. I failed at my marriage. I feel I, I was a bad picker. Um, and like life, things in life happen that, that I can't control. And something in that experience gave me freedom, actually. And it gave me the courage to start the business because I was like, I just have to know. My stepdad was 52 when he died and he had just gotten into a job that he loved. And something in that, I was just like, I have to know. And I became okay. It's still hard, but I became okay with failing, you know, with the possibility that it might not work out. And that was where the freedom came. Uh, You know, I just want to, first of all, acknowledge your journey. uh, Just because uh, I feel the, the truth coming from every word you're speaking. And it's, and it's so heavy. How did you start to, like when that experience happened, uh, when, when you got divorced and then, and then your stepdad passed, what did you learn from that experience? Like, how did that turn into fuel for you to force all these life changes or force a sense of urgency? Can you describe that? Oh, yes. I learned so many things. Um, you know, I think the the first and foremost is we don't know how much time we have. And I was living like at some point in the future, like the stars will align and I'll be able to do this thing. Mm-hmm. And so there, there was no sense of urgency. I think death brings urgency. Mm-hmm. You know, it just it lets you know, like, hey, we, I don't know how long I have. Um, the other part was I was working in corporate in marketing. Um, when my stepdad was diagnosed and I took all of my vacation to go spend time with him and my manager at the time had me come back to work. She was Mm -hmm. like, you know, I trust you to work remotely, but we don't trust everybody and we have policies. And so I need you to come back and show up so people can see you. And, you know, and it was in that week I came back that he died and there was something in you know, here I am sitting in my cubicle when my heart is, you know, six states away. And I just was so present to how asinine some of the constructs we've created in our society really are. Yeah. Like there was no reason I couldn't do my job from that location. And I got really committed to having that kind of freedom and choice. Um, And fast forward, you know, gosh, 10 years later, my father-in-law, I'm, I'm remarried now, happily, um, my father-in-law was sick. And we were able to just pick up and go and be there and not have to worry about what is it going to cost? What's it going to do to the business? Anything. I could just go. 
And that yeah. was amazing. I love that. And see, yeah, I mean, I, I, I resonate so much with, especially the pain about, uh, but having to come back to work. Uh, my mom, I remember when I worked full time in corporate, uh, my mom actually was diagnosed, uh, with, with some sort of inflammatory pain where she had to get rushed to the hospital. And my dad was out of the country and I still remember I had, I went to my boss and I said, Hey, I need to go home. And she told me, Raj, we have a huge presentation tomorrow and you're the only person that can present it. Uh, can you wow. leave after? And I got, thank God my mom's okay. Nothing happened. But in that moment is when it's, it's crazy. Uh, I find so many parallels with your story. That's when I decided I wanted to be an entrepreneur. Um, in that moment is when everything changed for me. And I think that, you know, these experiences that we have are such catalysts for growth. Did you feel like you started moving faster or things started lining up more once you made the decision to jump? Yes, for sure. And I just, I know your part of your story is, um, you know, your coworker passing and that's part of why you do what you do. So, you know, it's like death and like life stuff. Real stuff. Us, yeah. It makes us present to purpose and how we want to be spending our days on this planet. So, you know, in honor of staying grounded, it's like, that is a really grounding experience. Absolutely. So let me ask you this. How now, now you help you, you, you create amazing retreats for people and, mm-hmm. and, and, and you're doing your life's purpose and your life's work how does that um how does your experience uh from from the divorce to almost like it seems like that was like a turning point for you how does that motivate you to do what you do now and show up the way you do now in your day to day yeah you know i don't usually share a ton about i have on my blog but i i don't usually share a ton about the experience of moving through the divorce but one of the things that happened for me is Um, because to me, you know, staying grounded is about really being in the present and being really aware of what's true for you. You know, there's so many different ways we can live our lives and so many choices we can make. And there are some that are aligned with who we are uniquely and some that are just societal ideas of what success looks like or what you should do, et cetera. And when I got married the first time, Um, I went unconscious, right? So there's being conscious and aware and present to like, how does your body feel in response to this person in response to this situation? And then there's being conscious or aware of, um, you know, or or we go unconscious and I went unconscious. It was like my ego took over, right? My, My subconscious patterns, how I was programmed that it was okay to treat people um, what I felt like I deserved, um, growing up in a household with divorce and, you know, addiction and all of that there, were, I had a lot of, um, hidden commitments, I call them around what I felt like I deserved. And so I can look back and go, Oh, when I said yes to marrying this person, that was totally my old pattern. Yeah. My old pattern was like, it's okay. If you know, you don't have an amazing life. And 
it's okay if people don't treat you really that great. Like I was okay accepting that. I, I remember so clearly when I rationalized in my mind actually going through with the wedding. And so through the divorce, I was able to really take back my power. I was able to say, oh, I made a mistake. <laughs> yeah. You know, I was able, and, and a part of me considered just staying married because of the social stigma, you know, mm -hmm. like I didn't, people still had our wedding pictures up and I'm already getting divorced. So, um, but what that did is it really helped me become aware of the parts of my subconscious mind that were running my life, right? The, the yeah. parts of me that experienced things early on, so before age seven, our subconscious mind is running the show. Like we don't have the conscious mind developed yet, so we don't have the ability to accept or reject ideas about ourselves. They just go right in there. And then we live like they're true. And so moving through that experience, I got to become really aware of a lot of those. Um, I married someone who was an addict. My father is an addict. It, it's like, oh, I got to heal that part of me that felt like, um, like I wasn't worth it. I wasn't worth this person getting sober for, right? And what I realized yeah. is it has nothing to do with me. Um, and the reason I bring that up is we're all walking around with these. I still have them, right? Even moving through this experience and coaching people through becoming aware of these subconscious beliefs and, and healing and releasing that stored energy and shifting the pattern. Um, like I, I got the lesson big time through that experience. Like I could see exactly how I had made those choices and I got to become clear how to not make those choices again. How did your relationship with pain change over time? Um, it, it's interesting. I had a painful experience recently where even in the pain, I was grateful mm. because I knew there was learning. Um, one of my mentors calls it medicine. I knew there was <laughs> medicine in it for me. So it's not like painful things don't still happen, but I don't get overly involved in them or concerned about them. Yeah. It's just like, okay, this is interesting. What is this revealing to me? What is this revealing to me? Oh my God, I love that question. That is such a powerful way to reframe pain. Uh, oh man, that was, that, was, that was beautiful. Now, let me, so fast forward now. Here you are. Uh, why is it so important for you to help people release this side of them or grow as human beings or your, your life purpose right now? How is that showing up through the work you're doing? And, and why are you so driven to do the work you do? Because you do amazing work. And so I want to I wanna focus on that because I think that there's some really, especially when your story comes from where it does. I've, in my life, I've experienced that, you know, everything I've ever experienced in my life has led me to where I am right now. And have you had a connecting, a connection of dots like experience where you've seen one crappy experience or one amazing experience almost tie into what you're doing right now? Oh, it all connects. It a hundred percent connects. So, uh, the core of my business, I've been in business nine years and leading retreats for eight of those years. Um, I love the 
the container of a retreat, so which I consider to be a multi-day experience with the goal of transforming some belief or pattern or limit. Um, and the reason I do that on retreat is we can actually become aware of our subconscious beliefs mm. without having to go through the painful experience of actually marrying the person or whatever, yep. right? And so, I mean, painful experiences will still happen, but the more proactive we are about really doing this inner work, the less of that we have. I mean, I have so little drama in my life now, you know, because I've, I make the decisions in advance consciously rather than letting my subconscious take over and then having to pick up the pieces. And so the retreats really help make that happen. Um, in terms of life purpose, for me, my purpose is all about people being able to be fully themselves, their unique expression on the planet, and be seen and known for that person. Hmm. Um, I believe that all of the things we've got going on in the world, which we could call a crisis in our world in so many ways, stem from a lack of connection and intimacy. And the reason we have a lack of connection and intimacy is because we don't want people to see us. Right? Yeah. Intimacy into we see. We're afraid if people see all of us, that they'll judge us. Yep. And so we put up our guard and we put up our barriers and all of that. And the reason we're afraid of that is because at some point, probably several, before the age of seven, people saw us and judged us right? Before we have that conscious mind, we just show up as us. And when our parents correct us or, you know, other kids or whatever, then we say, oh, something in me is not okay. And we come up with all of these ways to put a barrier so people can't see it. All because of some experience where someone judged us. And we all have these. Do you think that stepping out of your comfort zone and being in an environment that isn't necessarily native to you allows these feelings to come out easier? Mm, totally. A hundred percent. I talk a lot about environment. I believe that shifting our environment is the, the best way to tune into what's really going on for us inside. Because if you think about it, that subconscious mind, or we uh, also call it the ego mind, mm -hmm created all the things in your environment. It created your relationships. It created, you know, your, the home you chose or the friends you have, it, all of that. And so being able to step away from that and just be in your own energy and like have experiences that, that help you see how you behave. Cause we're so trained for how we show up in our normal environment, right? Yeah. Like people know what to expect of us. They know, you know, we'll always be on time or we'll always be late, right? And this is an agreement that we have. Yes. And they know, you know, we're going to dress a certain way. And they know they can take us, invite us to certain things and we'll be socially accepted because they can predict how we're going to behave. But like, I don't know, Raj, do you ever just want to like pull that whole thing off and just be like, and today I'm totally different, Yeah. right? Like today, I just feel like, you know, wearing leather and I don't know, whatever it is, right? You're letting your soul being, play. Being loud or being quiet or being the one who doesn't have to have the answers or 
yeah, I love that. Letting your soul play. It's, it's, yeah. I mean, what you're saying makes, because is that why it's like, I've always felt like, like experiencing different types of paradigms or putting yourself in situations that are slightly uncomfortable or different for you or going to different places where you might not actually be familiar. It's almost like a path to accelerated learning. Like mm. you're, you're leveling up your own ability to learn things about yourself, which then allows you to learn things about everyone else a lot faster. How does, I love that. so like, how does, do you, like, what are your thoughts on that? And, and how does that cultivate through like intentional experiences? Cause you're so intentional about creating experiences. Um, what's the mindset that goes into creating an intentional experience? Yeah. So your first question, I totally agree that it's, you know, when we're out of our comfort zone, when, when we don't have people expecting us to be a certain way, we have a lot more freedom to be how we want or try different things, or we have to try different things in order to yep. survive the experience. Right. Yep, yep. So I, I love the way you phrase that, that it's a path to accelerated learning because we are, our ego doesn't know how to operate in this situation. So we have to tune into something else and that's our soul or our yeah. intuition, right? Or I, I call it our truth. Mm -hmm. um, and our truth then has to come out and navigate or our ego will get really strong and like try to figure out how to fit in here. And so creating intentional experiences on retreat, it can be something as simple as making eye contact with the person next to you for two minutes. Like that can be enough for people to be get, become present to the conversation that's running them in their head, the way they try to hide, right? Do they giggle? Do they shift? Do they, make, you know, look down? Do they make a joke? Do they smile and give a hug? Like what are they? And that's so revealing of the way they've, the pattern they've constructed to survive life. Yeah. Or it could be something like, you know, I'm, I've done everything from tree climbing to zip lining to paddleboard yoga to, you know, more physical things, um, as well as more interpersonal things. I do um, what I call a people scavenger hunt, where they, the participants have to actually go connect with people in certain ways. Um, and all of that is designed to really people are either going to let themselves show up authentically trust their intuition and create this an amazing experience or their ego is going to show up and try to protect them. And they'll have, I mean, they'll have a crazy experience where like the exact person they happen to talk to is like such an embodiment of their mom or their dad. Right. And it's just like a mirror to help them really become aware of how this is running them. How does the ego, um, the ego is a really interesting conversation for me. The, how does your ego line up with your subconscious? Is it a reflection of your subconscious? Is it something that's fighting your true self? What role does the ego play in the day-to-day -day of you living your life to its fullest capacity? Yeah, I kind of use ego and subconscious interchangeably. Mm. Um, whether that's right or wrong. Um, but they, the ego is, it's really there to protect us. Right. So when something happened, you know, before seven and things, 
really emotional, traumatic things after seven can also affect us in the same way mm-hmm. where, where we shut down our reasoning and we just, you know, we let the belief in, but before seven, um, something happens, right? Let's say, um, I can give you an example. So my parents were divorced. My, my um, dad, as I mentioned, he was an alcoholic. So he was a little unstable. So sometimes he would show up when he was supposed to. Most often he wouldn't. Mm. When he did show up, he would take me over to my aunt's house and they would have parties and gamble. And so I would sit at the adults table and gamble with them. And I would win quite often. Um, Like I was just good at cards. So I was winning money and my dad leaned back. And he put his arm around me and he smiled really proud and said, isn't she so smart? So in that moment in my subconscious went, be smart, get love. Mm. And that became true for me. Right. So what did I do? I became an engineer. Right. I like made good money. Right. (laughs) Like all of the things associated with that experience became a driver for me to the point where I would choose something that would make me look smart over choosing something that felt really true and authentic for me. And that's why it took me 10 years to leave my, leave my career. Yeah. So, so then the ego goes, okay. So the subconscious says, be smart, get love. And then we develop the ego, which is like our persona that says I'm smart. Right. So now what does that mean? Now I have to go through life making decisions aligned with smart. Right. So Mm. I could never, it would be hard for me. And it was hard for me early in my business to show up with beginner mind and to not have this mindset of, Oh, I already know that. Right. Or not have to feel like, like to be okay asking questions rather than I went through all of engineering school, never asked a question in class. Do you think that the ego is almost like a protector of of the subconscious? Yeah, I think that's fair. It wants us to stay safe, right? So so in my mind, becoming the smart person felt safe. It was like, I can't lose love, safety, security. So that helped me feel safe. So it's really wanting to serve us. It's just based on antiquated ideas. So how does the idea of going and putting yourself in an experience that might not feel safe. How, how, like, how do you, how do you manage that relationship? Right? Because like, if I think about travel or I think about just doing anything that I'm not comfortable doing or something that's out of my comfort zone, most people will look at it and say, Oh no, I don't want to do that. It takes a conscious decision to put yourself in a place like that, unless life just slaps you across the face. So what I love about what you do is that you help people intentionally create these experiences how do you help somebody's ego almost like step aside and say you know what i want this experience because i need it mm-hmm. like how does how does that come because i think yeah. that's where real true personal growth comes from totally totally and this is why i'm such an advocate for retreats because a lot of times we can't see it right yeah. it just is who we are it's like like to us it is the truth right it's like i I am this way, 
the world is this way. People are this way. People will disappoint me. You know, people don't understand me. And it feels so true when really it's just a story. It's the way we interpreted something. And so uh, that's why I'm a fan of retreats with a guide who can help you see that. How do you rewrite your own story? Mm, there's a lot of different tools for it. Um, you know, I can, I can actually say, share, what's, what's your share an example. Yeah, yes. because, because the, well, the first thing is you've got to be able to identify the story, right? You've got to get really clear, like, this is the belief that I've been living with. And then I take people back a lot through body awareness to see, okay, where is that stored in your body? And where do you first remember that similar feeling in your body? Because that helps us to go back to that experience. Um, and so we can really see, and you don't, you don't always have to go back to like the originating incident, so to speak. There's lots of ways to create transformation. Mm -hmm. But this particular way, um, if you can go back to what it is that happened in that moment, and just literally write different interpretations. So there's the interpretation that you've been living with that feels true. I have to be smart to keep love from my dad. Um, and then there is a million other possible interpretations. So right. I actually have this exercise somewhere. Um, I'm happy to share it with you. Yeah, please. Um, that lists out different scenarios. So it's like, how would you rewrite that story as a comedy how would you rewrite that story as a horror film how would you rewrite write that story in some way involving aliens in the story mm -hmm. like just as many different ways as you can think of until it kind of becomes silly where you get that it's just a story mm, that's amazing I think that's such a powerful concept and it's so empowering because I love that you're using different genres, because I think that's a really interesting way to unlock somebody who isn't necessarily open to knowing the different paradigms of emotion inside them. Like, yeah. you know, like, I, I just think that's a smart way to do it. Has, have you done that for yourself? Has, is that something that came through oh, practice? Oh, totally. Totally. I've done it for myself. And what is amazing is if you can um, share with someone else and have that really witnessed and this is the other thing that's so beautiful about retreats is you know at least the way that I like to lead them and the way I teach my clients to lead them um, you're really creating space for people to share the parts of themselves that they've been thinking they should hide and there's a great quote from a guy named Kurt Wright that I absolutely love he says as human beings, we can't accept a part of ourselves that we haven't shared with another human being and had validated rather than violated. Mm. And if you think about it, that's really true. And in the moment we can share it and have it validated, have it heard, have it witnessed, it's no longer something that we need to hide from. And you, you can watch it. There's an exercise that I do a lot where we'll have someone share something and then the partner just literally receives it just the way that they shared it, right? With the same energy, with the same, without adding, 
without changing it, just really, and it doesn't have to be like you parrot the same words, but you're really getting the essence of it. And you can feel the energy shift in the room. The moment someone's thing that they maybe have never shared gets gotten, it's like there's a whole new space. Yeah. So it's a safe space now. Yeah. It's a, it's, it's a space for, your, for yourself to play and grow and actually show up the way that you've always wanted to, maybe just haven't had a chance to. Yeah. Um, how do you cultivate that awareness on a daily basis? Like it's one thing to step out of your world mm-hmm. and create that, but is there a way that you can intentionally create these micro disruptors of, of awareness or, or connection or vulnerability or, or solace just on a day-to-day basis? Yeah. Um, the first thing is to regularly, you know, I, I have an Apple watch where it says breathe, mm. you know, where it like signals you to breathe. Mm-hmm. Um, if you have something like that or a signal, um, but yeah, breathing is, is awesome, but take a moment, you know, at different integrals throughout the day and just ask, what is my body feeling right now? How am I feeling about what I'm doing? How am I feeling about who I'm with? And just start to notice. Um, we're so trained in our culture to have rational, logical reasons for everything we do that we forget that we have this whole intuitive self that lies in our body that has a, a, a reaction to people, to situations. We, we know if we're leaning in and it feels good or if we're having to protect ourselves. And again, back to environment, the more you can create an environment that doesn't require you to protect yourself because you're really in resonance with, you love the things you're doing, the people you're with, you know, they get you, they're willing to have these kind of conversations. They're willing to grow with you the better. Mm. Um, and the more we can tune in, and this is something that's still a practice for me, even in my close relationships, the more we can tune in to how we're feeling and share it and let people know, um, the better. So I'm feeling a little uncomfortable right now in this situation. I'm not sure why. Let me check in. How do you become okay with expressing that? Mm. Again, it's like you want people in your life who aren't going to think you're totally crazy. Right, right. Um, How do you attract? Because, I guess like what I'm, what I'm trying to... In the to... beginning, especially. Yes. In the beginning, especially. And then you work your muscle and then it becomes less weird to have those conversations with people who maybe don't get it. Because yeah. you're so, you've had enough experiences to know oh, this really creates connection. This helps people know me better. This actually helps inspire people. This is the piece that we don't get. Is like people are really inspired when they know how you feel. Mm. People really like want to support you. They want, you know, the whole vulnerability is such a hot topic right now. It's really vulnerable to share how you're feeling when you haven't been asked, you know. <laughs> um, but it, it actually makes people feel more connected and lean in. Do you think it opens them up to sharing? Totally. totally. So it's almost like you stepping in and, and taking the first step to share. It's almost like that's what's going to unlock. It's like the chicken and the egg, like what comes first. But if you just make the decision to come forward and create this reality mm-hmm. for yourself, you're unintentionally helping others live a more inspired life. 
Yes. It's, it's, it's all, it's, that's, that's so powerful. Why do you think that this isn't common practice? I mean, it's back to that whole ego and subconscious, right? We're just trying to protect ourselves because at some point it wasn't safe. You know, I, I am not a parent. Um, However, we parent based on fear, right? Like we're going to get reprimanded if we do the wrong thing. So we dissociate from our truth and learn that what's, what's safer is to follow how other people want us to behave. And so it's just a lifelong pattern that we need to break. Yeah. There's, you know, and then we get ill because we're not hearing our bodies and we're storing all this fear in our bodies and all of that. And I love um, back to one of the original conversations we had, which was about accelerated learning. I love the idea of consuming knowledge or, or if, even if you're not in an environment, even just changing what you're listening to, who you're listening to, what you're reading, what you're watching, that can be a change of environment too, can it? Totally, totally. When I first started my business, I walked around with my headset in. Like, I've got a lot of exercise because I was (laughs) listening to all of these audios. My dog got a lot of exercise too. Um, But it was like, I had to stay in the conversation every single day for what's possible and abundance and um, truth. And like, if I didn't I would slip back really quickly yeah um you know and now I have more people in my life who get it and I I don't really spend time with people who don't Um, but you you had asked earlier like how do you create that community you know if you're listening to things and you're engaging in that way it helps so much go get go be in a room live you know I'm a fan like there's different ways you can do that so I do a lot of um, transformational retreats where you you can just come with an intention, right? Like I'd like to make more money. I'd like to feel more self-expressed in my work. I'd like to feel closer in my relationship, whatever it is. Um, and the retreat is crafted to help you see where you're getting in your own way with that and to shift that. So that's one type of experience where you'll be with like-minded people because they've all come to the same retreat, right? Mm -hmm. And then another way is people host events, you know? Um, Raj, have you ever hosted an event or is that something that's... Um, I have not hosted a Stay Grounded event or a Java Press event. I've hosted events in college and different things like that, but nothing of a transformative nature. Okay. Well, even like, even if it's a networking event right Mm -hmm. or like a multi-speaker so there's events where they bring in lots of speakers and they're each teaching a different piece like if you're someone who's just starting on this journey and you're listening and you're kind of starting to get it or it's resonating see if you can get in a room live Mm. at some kind of event or retreat that resonates for you because the people in the room they can become your environment you can reach out to them. You can go, you know, even if they're from all over the country. I mean, I know the first program I joined had three retreats as a part of it and people all over the country. And those people I totally credit with where I am today Oh, 100%. because I could reach out when I was stuck. I knew I wasn't alone. Um, you know, many of them have promoted me or I've promoted them. 
that, you know, I visit them when I'm in their city. It's like, get, get with people live and start to form those relationships. Cause you've got to, again, convince your subconscious that you're worthy of that type of relationship, that it is possible that those people exist. Um, so get yourself in a new environment as quickly as possible. It's almost like you have to do it before it happens or believe it before it happens in order for it to show up in your life. Yeah. Um, When I went to my first event, I mean, I had no idea what was possible for me. I had, you know, gotten divorced, left my job. Um, actually you had asked this earlier. I actually got a new job that landed in my lap that paid so much more than my old job. It helped me fund the starting of my business. And it was all miraculous from the moment I like emotionally committed. Um, it's funny how that works, right? Yes. It like, is amazing. It's funny. Such like, a gift. I mean, when you, I think when you make a decision uh, to do something that your heart is into, for some reason, the world just kind of gets out of the way. Um, yes. yes, you're going to have obstacles and yes, you're going to have low points and things that you have to work through, but, uh, the self growth and, and it's, it's never as bad as you think it's going to be. And I think that's one of the most, that's one of the most beautiful things I love about your story is that you've truly experienced every spectrum of joy, fear, love, like just, just anger. I mean, like the whole spectrum of emotions and for you to be teaching people to immerse themselves through live events and retreats is incredible. So Darla, tell, uh, tell, tell us how we can get more involved with your live events. I know you have a podcast coming up, uh, or it's actually live already. Tell me, tell me what's going on. Yeah. So we have retreat and grow rich, the podcast, and that will be awesome for hearing stories of people who lead retreats whose life has transformed on retreats. I'll be teaching some of my tips and techniques. And, um, so it's amazing. And if you've ever felt like I did when I was in corporate and I was like, I am learning this information and I know I want it to be my life and my business. Um, you can, you know, hop on in. I've got some free training over at retreatleaderquiz.com, which is a great place to start for that. Um, but you know, follow Raj, <laughs> continue to listen here. <laughs> you know, listen to the podcast. And when you hear the opportunity to get in the room with someone, do it. And, you know, in whatever way, like trust your intuition. And then your ego mind is going to come in and say, it's too much money. It's inconvenient. Um, And a lot of them aren't expensive, by the way. I have some that are really high end, like we're going to Italy this October. Um, And then I have some that are local, you know, hotel, not not expensive. Um, But, you know, your ego is going to say it's challenging. You know, I got to get childcare. I have to book plane tickets, whatever. Do it. Yep. Like, Raj, I know you have the same experience, but I can't believe my life. (laughs) <laughs> it's like I can't know. believe it uh, when I started I lived in Ohio and I had to like dodge bro- broken glass when I would walk my dog listening to my audios you know in the neighborhood I was living in and like now I have a 180 degree ocean view in Southern California and I travel and like have an amazing relationship and all of this and it took a lot of really intentional steps to get here. Yep. And it took a lot of trust 
and uh no i charlie you uh you make me happy in many ways and <laughs> i love the the reminder to to do things that make you uncomfortable and put you out of your comfort zone because by intentionally creating struggle or experiences that force you to grow uh, you're almost fast tracking your life in a way where you don't have to go through those rock bottoms like most of us or it gives a different purpose to the rock bottoms and allows you yeah, to grow you become really good at it yeah you get really good <laughs> at it and so you know and i want to ask you um actually i have one last question for you that i love asking all of our amazing um guests and this is super so amazingly connected to the conversation we just had but in the midst of everything you've achieved from uh walking your dog across the broken glass in the neighborhood to 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 going through the rock bottoms you did to now living the incredibly abundant beautiful life you created for yourself how do you stay grounded every day my business keeps me grounded because my message is about alignment and i can't i can't teach something i'm not practicing and it's it's kind of that simple you know and that doesn't mean it's always perfect you know sometimes um my ego makes decisions you know i'm like oh i should do this because other people are doing it or this would this would be really cool i would look really cool if i did this thing in my business um but it's not spiritually aligned and that doesn't go well you know but it and then I get the result and I'm like, oh, now I see something was off about that. My ego made that decision. I was mm -hmm. just trying to look cool instead of trusting myself. And so, you know, when you are your own CEO and you're making the decisions and you're getting the results, my living depends on my alignment. So I think that keeps me grounded. My clients keep me grounded. Gosh, you are amazing. <laughs> You, oh, uh, you too. I so love Stay Grounded. It's so awesome. Um, I just, I love that you took this journey um, and and came up with this message that's so needed right now. It's like, like the best thing ever. So thank you for having me. Well, I am grateful for that and I'm grateful for you. And, um, but yeah, guys, that's a wrap. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode of the stay grounded podcast from your friend Raj and your friend Darla stay grounded until next time guys. Thanks for joining us today on this episode of the stay grounded podcast brought to you by Java press coffee company. My name is Raj and I hope you found this interview helpful as you create your own ways to make daily happiness a priority. If you're interested in learning more about how your morning coffee can turn into a consistent source of joy in your life, visit www.javapress.com to learn how our products can help you do that and use the coupon code podcast for 10% off your purchase. Again, thanks so much for joining us. Stay grounded.